Good morning, Valley Hope. Um, I'm sorry to be in front of you on a screen uh, instead of in person. Um, so let me explain that. Um, uh, Saturday, a week ago, uh, so eight days ago, I helped some folks move for about an hour and a half. I was helping them pack up and, and move. And we were uh, mostly outside um, and apart from each other. And we wore masks the whole time. But uh, three days later, I was notified that one of the people who uh, we were helping uh, tested positive for COVID. Um, I spoke to my doctor and we decided it was extremely unlikely that I was infected. Um, in fact, I, on Monday of, of that week, actually before I found out that I had potentially been exposed to COVID, I took a test, a, a swab test uh, at Montreat just because they were on campus and, and so was I for classes. Um, and, uh, once I got that email on, or that notification on Tuesday, I took another test, a rapid test. Both of those were negative. Now that was only a few days after potential exposure. So totally possible from then that, that an infection would result. Technically you're supposed to stay away from large crowds for two weeks if you have an exposure. And I talked to my doctor, he thought it was probably fine and that if we wanted to, we could probably have me just be in the room to preach and then immediately walk out, only be in the room for that. Ultimately, what I decided, which we agreed was the safest option, was that I would not be in the room in person for this coming Sunday. By the time next Sunday comes, uh, I'll have cleared 14 days. I'll continue to monitor for any symptoms until then. I don't anticipate seeing any. Um, but I did that for a couple reasons. Um, one, I just wanted to be as safe as possible. Um, for, and uh, and that's that was my chief concern. Number two, uh, it seems like people, this is not universally true, but it seems like people can have an attitude of shame or secrecy around being exposed to or infected by COVID. And I don't think that's right. Um, now, maybe you did something that you should be a little embarrassed by, maybe, like you were walking around licking handrails or something like that. Probably you are doing nothing wrong and you just got exposed to a virus because we're in the middle of a pandemic. And if we're going to help one another, um, we have to teach one another that this is not something to be ashamed about or to keep it secret, but in order to protect everyone, to just follow the protocols, notify people, be very upfront, and everybody do as best they can. So I don't feel guilty for helping somebody move I did everything I could to protect myself. I think I probably did pr protect myself. But I want you all to know and to not hide what happened. 
And I hope that you will treat this community the same way. That if you end up getting infected or exposed, you'll let us know so that we can be sure that everybody else is checking themselves for any symptoms or, or anything like that. So if anybody gets infected, we can limit the damage of a pandemic instead of helping it spread by hiding it. So this is your uh, public health service announcement. Uh, finally, one of the elders made the point that if I was going to be there, we would need to notify people that I was potentially exposed to COVID so that they knew. And now that, that is correct. That was a wise piece of counsel. Um, and I knew that it's very likely that some people who are more cautious and sensitive about exposure or potential exposure for good reason would then feel like they could not or should not be at church because I would be there. And I don't want my brothers and sisters in Christ to be at all um, uh, discouraged from worshiping corporately if possible. So I just said, let's take myself out of the picture. I can do this. Um, I can talk to you this way. It's not the same. It's not as good. But now as many people as want to take the risk to worship together can still do that without worrying about me. I don't want to be a stumbling block for somebody else. This is kind of my thought process. So um, that's why I'm not there with you today. Um, I miss being with you. I, I can still, you know, this is Saturday evening. I can still say I have felt nothing. I have no reason to believe that I'm infected. Um, so I feel great. Um, I had a great Thanksgiving. I hope that you did as well. Um, and that we can push through this cold, more COVID-y season and get to the other side as well as, as possible. You know, I know that worshiping together is not the lowest risk thing that you and I could do. The lowest risk thing you could do is to stay in a room in your house 24-7. Then you wouldn't be exposed to the virus. Um, and the most risky thing you could do would be to, I don't know, go to a packed nightclub maskless 24-7. Somewhere in between those extreme poles is the risk that we're all comfortable making in our day-to-day -day life. And I know that if you're gathering in person with us, you are saying, I'm willing to take on a little bit more risk um, to worship together, which uh, I appreciate. That's where I am. We, we are trying to do everything that we can to minimize risk when we are together in terms of spacing everyone out wearing masks all the whole nine yards you know the, you know the drill um but we do that because we're saying it is worth it to me to be able to worship in the same room with other brothers and sisters in christ it is to me as well i'm hoping to preserve that and protect that and and hopefully we're all doing that together so anyway that's that i'm sorry for all the many videos that uh are part of our worship service obviously that's not normal for us however I know that Ms. Bowling and I know that the Holdens uh, had an awesome presence in our worship service today, which I'm very grateful for. Um, and hopefully you'll not look on any of those videos, including this one, 
and say that it was a distraction. So hopefully you're worshiping the Lord together in joy and gladness. Also, um, look, I you know that I don't preach with notes, or, or maybe you didn't know that. Um, you haven't noticed that yet. Um, I never use notes to preach. I never have. They kind of mess me up. Uh, so preaching at two worship services has been a challenge and uh, a little bit annoying to me because I can see how it changes from week to week. But this week, both services will be exactly the same. You'll get to hear the exact same sermon. So uh, if you've been playing some sort of comparison game with friends in a different service, I'm sorry I've ruined the game. Uh, but now each service will know exactly what the other one experienced and you can share common fellowship uh, in that way. All right, this is way too long of an introduction. Let me read our, our text for today, uh, one of which uh, the Holdens already read for you, um, which is fine. They did a great job. Um, this is the season of Advent and the church calendar. This is the beginning of the new year, not January 1st, the beginning of Advent. Advent means coming or arrival. Um, and so we, I like to move to the lectionary text. If you didn't know, the lectionary is a planned, usually three-year cycle of readings of scriptures. You usually hear an Old Testament, a New Testament, and a gospel. And we usually have a call to worship from the Psalms. So you get a kind of taste from all of the scriptures. Many churches only go through the lectionary all year, every year. We come to the lectionary during Advent and sometimes often during Lent. So this is week one of Advent, and I'm going to read first from Isaiah 64, our old friend Isaiah, um, Isaiah 64, 1 through 9. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, and that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things that we did not look for, you came down. The mountains quaked at your presence. From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you, who acts for those who wait for him. You meet him who joyfully works righteousness, those who remember you in your ways. Behold, you are angry, and we sinned. In our sins we have been a long time, and shall we be saved? We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. There is no one who calls upon your name, who rouses himself to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us, and you have made us melt in the hand of our iniquities. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Be not so terribly angry, O Lord, and remember not iniquity forever. Behold, please look, we are all your people. And now I'm going to read that same passage that the Holdens read from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. This is verse 3 through 9. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. That in every way you are enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you. So that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you are called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And finally, from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, 
from starting from the verse 24 into the end of the chapter. This is Jesus talking. But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree learns Learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father, be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the totality of your word from, from Isaiah to 1 Corinthians to the gospel of Mark. We pray, we pray that we would hear that one voice of your scriptures speaking to us, that we might attend to those words, respond to them, and obey them. Lord Jesus, we thank you, and we, we eagerly await your word as it teaches us to eagerly await your coming. Amen. Well, um, if you've never been in a church that has anything to do with the season of Advent, um, these particular readings, as we are theoretically moving to Christmas, seem weird. Um, and this is the thing about Advent, is that it is a season for expectation. And it's not just the expectation of, of uh, reading scriptures that are looking forward to the birth of Jesus Many times the lectionary will, will have us pull all of these passages that look at, have us look forward to the second coming of Jesus. So the first advent of Jesus is his birth in Bethlehem. And the second advent of Jesus is his coming in power and in glory. And so over these four weeks of advent, we will be holding on to all of the scriptures. And so we're not pretending that Jesus has not been born yet. We know he's been born. We haven't forgotten. We aren't wiping our memory and saying, man, I wonder if Jesus is ever going to come. He is the one who was born in Bethlehem, the son of David. And we are caught in between the first advent of Jesus and the second advent of Jesus. And in this time, before Jesus comes in glory and in power and rules on the face of the earth, we are looking back to the realities of his first coming and what it teaches us. And we are looking forward to that second coming. And we are sort of caught in between these two poles. And we are being pulled apart as we look at the nature of the world that's in front of us. And you can hear some of that longing when you hear Isaiah in chapter 64 saying, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. That you would sort of burst through the curtain that divides uh, the place where God lives and reigns in absolute power and authority and come bust into this scene and you would uh, change the landscape 
of the world that we're living in. In many ways, um, we are, are in a time that we are being beckoned to, to really meditate on how much we do or don't want God to come and do that. I, I was talking to my mother, actually, about uh, the nature of, of spiritual formation in this COVID pandemic time. And uh, she's deeply involved in her church uh, in Atlanta. Um, and I, I know from other church leaders and other churches, uh, different places in the country, many of us are looking at our congregations. Uh, and we have been profoundly disrupted since March. Um, some churches, because of legal injunctions and some churches out of concern for safety. I think that's most of the churches in this country are in that second camp, uh, rightly so. <clears throat> but it has disrupted our our churchly lives together. Um, it makes it harder to be in small groups and homes. It makes it harder to be here in our, our building together. Obviously, we know that. And what what has happened because of that is something we could only call apocalyptic. A lot of people think of the apocalypse and they think um, the end of the world. But the, the literature in the Bible that we call apocalyptic literature isn't referring to the end of the world necessarily. What it's saying is that there is an unveiling and there's a revealing. So when we, at the beginning of this year, which may feel like a decade and a half ago to you at this point, we're in a sermon series on the book of Revelation. I kept saying to you that this, this is actually called the apocalypse of John. It's being, uh, something is being revealed to the church about what's going on in heaven so that they can stand strong in the face of a persecuting Roman empire. That's what the book of Revelation is about. And COVID has been our own kind of apocalypse in Revelation. Instead of maybe having revealed to us what God might be doing in heaven, it's revealed to us, it's taken the lid off, it's unveiled some things about what is or is not in our own hearts. What truly anchors us in life? What is the foundation upon which our house has been built? And what we've seen many times uh, for many households is that maybe we, we said that Jesus uh, was the rock upon we, which we built our house. But really what COVID has revealed for many of us is that he's an accessory. That when, when it ceased to be easy to come to church then that part of our heart became something that we could easily set aside and we could prioritize what really mattered to us, which could be lots of good things. Family time, uh, friends, adventure, being outside, our careers. And maybe it's not so much the way that we ended up spending our time that's really unveiled that. It's the things that cause us to distress the most. When, when things got really hard and we were all in the midst of lockdown, what was the thing that made you the most sad to have lost? Was it business? Entertainment? Was it church? And there is a way, of course, to, to have a good Christian answer 
and to say, well, I don't, I don't need to mourn the loss of church because Jesus is uh, always with me, which is true. He is. Um, but Jesus loves his church. So did it make your heart ache to lose the gathering of the church? There's some unveiling. There's some revealing that's happened. And these texts speak of a day when the, the curtain between heaven and earth will be just totally ripped aside. And God will come in. The Old Testament prophets will refer to that often as the day of the Lord. When God will come both in deliverance and in judgment. And Israel was warned. Um, don't be so foolish as to only think that judgment is not going to come for you. And there are these alarming prophecies. And you could hear it in that passage in Isaiah 64. There's something terrifying about the idea that God might actually do this thing. It's, it's wonderful. They're, they're anticipating, Isaiah is anticipating something wonderful. God will do wonders like he did at the Exodus. He'll be close to them. And he'll, he'll you know, melt mountains down and dry up the seas. And, and also God will be close to them. And that's, that's terrifying. You can feel in Isaiah the, the tension between longing for God to be close and longing to be safe from him. He's trapped. They're trapped in their iniquities. And Jesus' words in the Gospels carry some of that same edge. You know, he describes the end of all things. And, he's, and basically, he describes using some of the same language that the Old Testament prophets will use. What happens when God actually draws close to the earth, to his people, when things come crashing down in darkness, the stars themselves are put out, things are brought from the heavens down to the ground. Everything falls apart. There is war and, and seeming chaos and Jesus is warning his disciples, you need to pay attention. You need to look for the signs that this is happening. And you need to be ready. You need to be ready. Now, so many people have taken passages like this from the Gospel of Mark and Matthew and Luke. And what they've decided to do, the main thing that they need to discern is to discern when this is happening, where, which global conflicts, which global plagues, which one of these things is the sign that this thing is happening and coming now. But the conclusion of our passage in Mark chapter 13 is, you don't know. You're not going to know. Jesus, he says, the, the son does not even know. The son in his humanity does not know. Only the father knows. You're not going to be able to know when the day is coming. The emphasis is on is to be ready for that day. To be ready. There are many times over the past, uh, whatever, eight, nine months, where I've been shaken in my own life and wondered how ready I am for the day when God would come near. COVID has lifted the veil on some things in my own heart. Materialism, craving of security, external validation, my reliance on 
so many things except Jesus, except Jesus. And so I, I, I'm hesitant. I've been hesitant to pray, oh Lord, would you come down? In those moments when I hesitate, it's because I have fallen into the trap that I've always felt fallen into, thinking that it's all about me and standing on my own two feet before God. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul describes how the people of God have any hope to be a faithful people. And it is in the faithfulness of Jesus. Paul says that that you have every gift. You have every gift. And until that day comes, you will be kept by Jesus. So Jesus is not warning his people in his scriptures so that they might be terrified of God. Jesus is warning them that they should not put their hope in anything except him. Because if you cling to Jesus, if you are tightly uh, gripping him, then you are, will find that the, the arms of grace, the hands of grace, grip you more tightly. The times like this will inevitably come in your life, whether they were a global pandemic or not, something in your life was going to unveil how much you put your hope in idols that cannot see you or hear you or respond to you. Idols cannot rend the heavens and come down like Isaiah is begging God to do. But God, the living God, he actually can do that thing. And he can help you to endure his closeness. We are called as Jesus' people to be on guard. And so if you are sitting here in what we can hope and pray is getting close to the end stages of a COVID pandemic. Please, God, let that be true. You can be honest about what COVID has unveiled. If you have, if you have carried sorrow and fear and grief over what has been taken away from you, you can faithfully pray what Isaiah has prayed in 64. Oh, Lord, would you rend the heavens and come down? Would you stop this? And we can pray that about the world that we see out there in the world that we find in here. Oh, God, would you rend the heavens and come down? And would you make me right? Would you make the world right? Would you end disease and death and sorrow? And we were meant to be the kind of people that would sorrow over our sin and not do so hopelessly. Maybe COVID has unveiled that you, you found that God is way down the list way, way down the list, that you are satisfied, so satisfied without him. Jesus is a, a nice accessory. Maybe Jesus, if we can use the, the consumer season that's all around us, Jesus is not so much the tree in the center of your room. He's the ornament that you hang on your life. There is a kind of warning here that is real. Watch out. Be on guard. And God comes close. The thing that you are putting, finding your shelter in, it will not, it will not save you. It is an insufficient protection. It is a cold and lifeless God. 
But Jesus, he is faithful. If you have been faithless for, for some time now, if you are coming to grips with your own faithlessness in this season of, of remembering that we need God to come close, you should look to the Lord Jesus Christ and know that in his first coming, he has been faithful to you before you even considered being faithful to him. What Paul will say in the book of Romans is that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. Though you were an enemy of God, God acted towards you in friendship. So if COVID time has unveiled something that has grown cold within you that you have loved far less than you should, Jesus has already loved you in that state and his own faithfulness will carry you to the day when this whole thing is over. The message here is not one of fear if you trust in Jesus. He doesn't need you to perform and work up to him. He knows, he knows that he knows that you are not up to the task. But what he begs his disciples in Mark chapter 13 is to be attentive to the times and to know that the Lord Jesus is the one coming. So if he's the one who is coming, you should get out ahead of this thing and be and filled with anticipation and joy for him. So if you have wandered away in cold-heartedness, you have not been attending to the signs of the fig tree, you've not been paying attention to what is coming, and instead you have spilled out your heart for all kinds of cold and lifeless gods, then there is good news this morning that when you turn back to him, he is faithful and he he will hold you until the very end. If you have tried so hard to wriggle out of his grasp, there's good news. He is the potter. You are the clay. So if you are saying to him, there's nothing that you can do. I'm too messed up. My heart is too cold. I've wandered too far. No, he rejects your claims. He rejects them categorically. He is the potter. You are the clay. He gets to decide in his sovereign grasp of your life what he will do. And what he has told us in his scriptures is he will hold on to you. If you are tired and your grasp is weakening and you are worried that the day of judgment will find you with your hands by your side, and your head bowed in shame. He will hold on to you if you will but trust him. Trust the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, and he will faithfully hold you to the end. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the one that we expect to meet when, when God comes and rends the heavens and comes close to us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that we already know your character, that we have seen you in your scriptures. You have been kind to the weak and to the rebel, and you have died for people like us. You have been resurrected to triumph over our enemies. And Lord Jesus, we confess to you that in this global pandemic season, our lives have revealed poor fruit. We, we have been cold-hearted. We have been apathetic. And that you love people like us. We thank you for the warning that we could see in these times. We thank you that you have taught us and equipped us to look at the times that we are living in and to hear in them your voice calling us to you. We hear your warning and we anticipate 
On the other end of that warning is a God who would shame us and wag his finger at us instead of warning us because he loves us and wants us to come home. Lord Jesus, we have thought poor thoughts about you. We have not treasured you. And so we plead for your mercy. This morning, if you know that that's you, I would just invite you right now to pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. It's an ancient prayer, this Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. We so, so thank you, Jesus, that your answer to that prayer is yes. I pray, God, that you would bless and protect these people, that you would draw them closer to you, and that you would make us a people who are hungry to wait for you until you come. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I love you. I miss you. I'll see you next week if things go as they should. Now, would you uh, join in worshiping together as we move towards celebrating communion as we always do? I look forward to partaking with you next week.